This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, it's Mariners Pod. Thanks for being here once again. Glad you're here. Mariners got a win last night against Minnesota. We're going to break that one down coming up in just a couple minutes. We'll also hear from Jake Bowers. It's a fun conversation Shannon had with the newest Mariner who had, as it turns out, a pretty big impact in the game last night. So we'll talk about that coming up in a few. This has been a nice bounce back for the Mariners. We all saw what happened on Saturday. Just a brutal way to lose a baseball game. A game that... It looked like it was in the books, one out away, and then Cleveland puts a run together, three on the board on the ninth to tie it. They win it in extras as a ball was uh, thrown away by Seawald at home plate. It's just really tough. And now uh, you look back after the win on Sunday, Mariners had a chance, you know, if they put that game away, that would have been a 500 road trip, which is pretty nice, especially given the length of that trip. It wasn't to be, but a nice bounce back nonetheless. And it started on Sunday. And it looked pretty grim going against Bieber, reigning Cy Young Award winner. Mariners beat him once already this year. Could they beat him again? Well, as it turns out, yes, they could. Two balls, two strikes to Fraley. Here's the pitch. Swung on and launched to right field. This is long gone again. Jake Fraley has done it. A long bomb in Cleveland. A two-run blast, and that was a serious rocket. And the Mariners extend the lead. They have put five on the board. Five nothing Mariners. And Jake Fraley has been so good. After last night, of course, that was the home run on Sunday. After last night now, a 493 on base percentage. Four home runs on the season. All four of those on the most recent road trip. His batting average is up to 275. He's mixed in a couple doubles as well. He is just playing great. 21 walks so far. 21 walks in 19 games. He is just living on base. So that was great to see on Sunday. Really, though, the story on Sunday, five runs, uh, double-digit hits against Bieber, which is outstanding. Cy Young Award winner, clearly. But Logan Gilbert, his best start as a Mariner. Here's the pitch. Swung on, popped in the air, third base side, foul territory. France calling for it. He wants it. He's waiting for it. He makes the catch with one hand, and that is another 1-2-3 inning. Gilbert rolling along. He's blank Cleveland through five. He's allowed just two hits. He was excellent. His best start of his young career. And we've seen him kind of stair-step and get better and better as the season has gone on, but this was a whole nother level as he just he kept uh, Cleveland guessing. His fastball was great spotting it, especially up in the zone, working his changeup, uh, which had a ton of movement. He's just really good. Six and two-thirds innings, one run allowed, six punch outs, one walk, just four hits allowed, and weren't hard hits either, uh, one of them out of the four, but man, he looked 
awfully good. So the Mariners beat Cleveland that day, 6-2. to two. So a good note to end the trip. So they come into the series against the Minnesota Twins, a team with very high expectations, but a team that has struggled so far this season. Marco, not sharp early. He would settle in, though, and give the Mariners some solid innings in this one. Marco would end up going five, giving up three earned. He walked a couple, fanned five, and just waited for the offense to scratch together some runs and eventually tie this one up. Here's the stretch, and the one-two on the way, swinging a fly ball in his center field. Celestino going back, going back, Morty track to the wall. This one is off the fence. Celestino crashes into the fence. Rounding third, heading home is France. He scores around to third, standing up with an RBI triple. Dylan Moore, his 22nd run batted in, and it ties the game at 3-3. So 3-3 at that point, and then the tie would be broken in the eighth inning thanks to the newest Mariner. Here's the set, and the one nothing pitch swung on, and a fly ball into deep center field. Gordon going back, leaps up, and this one is gone. Goodbye, baseball. In and out of the seats, a little to the right of the batter's eye. Jake Bowers with his first home run as a Seattle Mariner, his third home run of the season. This one just clears the wall out in center field beyond the reach of a leaping Nick Gordon, and the Mariners have the lead. Four to three here in the bottom of the eighth. Welcome to Seattle, Jake Bowers. Think about the range of those emotions going from being DFA'd and really just in limbo, not knowing what your future is going to hold, where you're going to go, what you're going to do. And then just a few days later, you're hitting a game-winning home run for your new team. We're going to hear from Bowers coming up in just a few minutes. A very good conversation with Shannon Dreher. In the meantime, uh, let's take a listen to Scott's service after the ball game. The Mariners would hold on to that 4-3 win, uh, close out Minnesota to take game one of the series. So here's what Scott had to say after the ball game. Nice ball game tonight. Obviously, uh, a lot of guys stepped up. Great night offensively for Jake Fraley. Was all over the the base pass. A lot of really good at bats. Uh, kind of in the middle of everything we had going offensively. Uh, huge homer for for Jake Bowers. Uh, I'm really excited about what he brings to our club. Um, and he's been swinging the bat really good. He fits in well uh, with what we're doing here, age wise, and kind of where he's at experience wise. So, a uh, big big hit by him tonight. And uh, our bullpen was outstanding tonight. Uh, I thought Marco. Uh, I thought his stuff was better. Um, than it was last time out. He made a couple mistakes and you know, gave up the home runs there in the fourth inning. But uh, I thought his curveball was was really a good pitch for him tonight um, as he's continuing to, to build up pitches and, and kind of round into form. So, uh, again, I, I would look at tonight as a step forward for him. And I thought that the key guy out of our bullpen tonight was really shaggy, JT Chargois. Uh, he did a great job getting through two innings tonight. He was very economical in that first inning. And uh, he had been down for a few days. He was rested and ready to go. So, Putting zeros up in our sixth and the seventh kind of set it up for us. And then, of course, Bowers' big home run. So nice win. Uh, it's really, really nice to be back home. With Bowers, I know that it's been such a whirlwind for him in the last couple of days. He said this was the most exciting part of that. But what does it say that he's able to kind of put all of that aside and come to the ballpark and contribute like he has in the last five games? Well, Jake has played with a couple different organizations. So it's not the first time he's been traded. I think the first time you move uh, organizations is the hardest after that uh, you know you, you kind of understand and you get a feel for what's going to happen as you're trying to transition but you never know how you're going to fit in uh, there's nothing better than contributing 
uh, to your club and helping them win a few games. You feel like you belong. You're making big impact um, as you get to know people and get to know our process and how we kind of go about things here. But uh, I'm excited for him. Like I said, it's a left-handed bat. He's got power. Uh, he's got some versatility. Does a nice job at first base as well as being able to put him in the outfield. It's going to be uh, a real big asset for us going forward. I'm excited about what he brings to our ball club. Hey, Scott, I know, um, you know the offseason was a critical time to build up the back of the end of that bullpen with Middleton, Montero, and bringing Kendall back, certainly. But as we sit here, uh, getting closer to midseason, we're talking about Shaggy, Steckenrider, and Seawald. Uh, it takes a lot of guys to cover a lot of innings over the course of a full year, and you guys have gotten a lot of mileage and quality innings out of these guys. Uh, we really have, and it, it's a credit. Now, going into this season, we knew it was going to take a lot of different guys. I didn't think we'd use 51 players to this point, to be honest with you. I thought we might be approaching that number when we get to September, but here we are. And, you know, going into the season, uh, I know it was a priority for you know, our player personnel people, our, our front office to acquire as many guys we thought could fit in our bullpen, knowing that they're all not going to break with us opening day. But, you know, when you, you sign guys like Seawald and, and you throw a few things at him and he takes it and runs with it, and then Shaggy gets an opportunity and you see what he's doing, uh, you know, Steck bouncing back from, you know, maybe some injuries and different things like that. And all these guys have contributed. You know, when, when Key was here, I thought Key threw the ball well for a, a period of time. And we're going to need everybody. So uh, it is hard uh, to get through a year and just you know, lean on the same two or three guys. You need to lean on multiple guys. And I think that's why our bullpen's been good for the most part. We've had a few bumps in the road, like every bullpen has throughout the course of the year. But uh, the guys are throwing strikes. They're staying aggressive for the most part. And, uh, you know, we play good defense behind them. We don't have a ton of strikeout guys down there. Uh, but guys are making them put the ball in play, and we've, we've played really good defense behind them. Scott, with Bowers in that sequence in particular, I mean, Robles throws him 97, and then he's got a changeup. I mean, just how impressed were you with him to, to kind of recognize that pitch and be ready for it? And, and lift it the way he did for that big homer. Yeah, the, the funny thing is, if you remember the at-bat before, uh, Bowers thought he actually went out of the ballpark to center field. And guys were, he kind of hit it, and, and he had that look like when you hit one, I got it, as he's kind of taking his his uh, jog towards first base, and he realized, oh, gosh, it's not going to get out. And guys were like, hey, you know, welcome to T-Mobile. And then the next time up, he just smokes a ball, and that one did get out. So uh, uh, his at-bats have been really good. Um, since he's been here, he understands the strike zone. Uh, he makes contact. It's not a big strikeout guy. Um, he's got some power. So um, I've been very impressed with him so far. He's off to a great start. And interesting, going into the ninth, Drew Steckenrider was the one given the call to lock it down, and he certainly did that. Here's what Steckenrider said after the ball game. Uh, yeah, I got told by our bullpen coach before the game that I was slotted for the back end of that in that situation. What is the rush like? the difference pitching the ninth versus pitching maybe the seventh or something like that it's a one-run game uh i'd say honestly it's probably the same um the only the only difference would be probably the last pitch if you got a guy like two strikes or something uh the crowd's uh obviously into it the whole inning but i feel like it's a little bit more um for the for like the last pitch when you come into that situation you know you've got some potentially hot hitters there what are you trying to make sure that you do so that Nelly doesn't get a hold of that or, or Donaldson doesn't get a hold of one? Yeah, you just got to, in that situation, attack guys still. You can't go away from the game plan, um, which is always attack guys. 
Um, and then, you know, with a, in a one, one run ball game, you don't have as uh, much wiggle room uh, for air. Uh, so try to make good pitches and, and more so mixing um, pitches um, than anything else. Drew, you have some experience. I mean, you pitched in the Marlins bullpen for quite some time, and this isn't your first save necessarily, but, you know, coming into spring training, you know, looking for an opportunity, and, and now you, you're here in mid-June, saving ball games and viewed as a high-leverage arm. You know, can you just kind of walk us through the trajectory of that and, you know, getting out there and, and really proving yourself at this level again? Uh, yeah, I mean, with having missing some time, um, had to come into spring ready to go. Um, to prove myself and I uh, did that in spring um, earned a spot on the team um, and then that you know through through uh, where they thought I could help the team out most um, and that role's kind of switched around with everybody uh, I feel like um, it, it does throughout the course of the year wherever you're at um, so just being able to run with that um, at different points in the season is is obviously important Drew, just the effort tonight, JT goes two innings, uh, Paul comes out, gets some more eyes. I mean, the versatility of your bullpen this year, I think, has been pretty solid. Have you pitched in a group like that where so many guys can fit different roles, can go multiple and do all these different things that are asked on a given night? Uh, I don't think so. Um, everybody's pretty versatile here, um, and we have guys with experience, which, of course, helps, too. JT going out and getting two for us tonight was huge. Um, just to save, if we could save one guy for tomorrow, uh, of course, that's that's always what we like down in the bullpen. Um, and, you know, Paul, of course, Paul throwing up a zero uh, was big, too. Does that versatility change anything about your preparation? Because, like we said, there isn't necessarily a slotted role for guys. No, it, it just gives you an extra time the following day to recover, uh, get your work in, um, getting the training room. Um, so if you, you know, if you go two innings, you know, probably, Hey, I got a day to do that. Um, and, and we've got, we saved somebody, um, today. So somebody will fill in that role tomorrow. Really can't give enough credit to the three guys that pitched last night in a either tied game or one run game at the time they threw JT Chagua, Paul Seawald, Drew Steckenrider, all were excellent. They combined four innings, three punch outs, two hits, no runs. They've all been dynamite for the Mariners pitching in high leverage situations. You may not have guessed that coming into the season, but that's exactly what they have done. They've been very consistent and stepped up to some pretty big roles so far. Uh, really nice job on all three of their parts. And Steckenrider gets his first save as a Seattle Mariner. And speaking of Marco, why don't we hear what Marco had to say, his third start back from the IL. So nice job by the Mariners. They get the win in game one. They'll face Jay Happ here in game two of the series. Chris Flexen will get the ball. 7-10 first pitch. 7-10 as well on Wednesday as Justice Sheffield will get the ball. Now we're going to hand things over to Shannon and her chat with Jake Bowers. So what was it like to get out on the field and take a batting practice? I know it'd been a little while for you. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's probably the most normal feeling part about it. Um, coming in today, didn't know where I was supposed to park because obviously all my stuff's still here, my car's still here and all that. Um, you know, walking in, everybody's at, telling me I'm supposed to go to the home side, that I'm on the wrong side, stuff <laughs> like that. So uh, it's been an adventure of a day so far, or adventure of the last few days. But, um, you know, just trying to get settled in and uh, focus on baseball a little bit. So you've still got stuff all over the ballpark, Ben? 
Yeah, they actually, uh, they they wheeled it all over in boxes and I had to go through it and uh, see what I wanted to keep and, and all that. So like I said, it's been, uh, it's been a day. So about the two days before that, how did this all come down and how did you end up in the lineup yesterday? <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I was sitting at my apartment since um, Saturday morning, um, just kind of hanging out, waiting to hear something. And it was, uh, you know, there's some teams interested. You're probably going to get traded. We don't know where. And then uh, Wednesday morning, I was told that I would know more Thursday afternoon, which was yesterday, obviously. And then um, Wednesday, about 6, 6.30, I got a call, um, you know, letting me know I've been traded here and, and that they wanted me in Detroit the next day to, uh, to play in that day game. And, you know, from there was, all right, you know, how do we get there? What do we need? And um, me and my fiance hopped in the car in the morning and, and drove down and drove back after the game. And. Now we're kind of just packing up the apartment, getting ready to get out of here. That's about as whirlwind as it gets. Did you just punch Comerica into the GPS? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Said about two hours, <laughs> 20 minutes, stopped at Starbucks and, uh, you know, just got there. You get to the clubhouse. Do you, did you know any of the Mariners ahead of time? Not well, no. I mean, I, I played with and against JP in uh, high school a little bit, you know, growing up in the you know same year around around the same area. I played with uh, Jake Fraley with Tampa for a little bit. And then um, beyond that, that was it. Just uh, maybe a conversation here or there when I was playing first base. Now that you're able to settle down just a tiny bit, what is it that you want to show this Mariners team? They obviously kind of came after you for a reason. Yeah, I mean, it's a tricky question. I think I don't want to put too much pressure on myself. I've, I've kind of fallen victim to that in the past. So I really just want to play the game the right way, play hard, um, give it everything I got, just continue to work and, and you know, try and get better and, and try and establish myself a little bit here in this league. I mean, it's uh, it's not the easiest thing to do and it's it's not the easiest uh, league to try and figure stuff out at. But, you know, I think um, I think the coaches here have a have a pretty good idea and I have a pretty good idea of, you know, what I need to do to uh, achieve that. When you were growing up, were you a Dodgers fan, an Anaheim fan, or something else? Um, so, I mean, I don't really know if I was too much of, like, a, a fan, per se, but I was definitely going to Angel games a lot growing up. And, um, you know, we got to go to Anaheim earlier this year. And so, you know, going back and seeing my family was pretty cool, obviously. You know, I was thinking that that was going to be the only time that, you know, I was going to get to do that this year. So, uh, to be in the AL West and and kind of get to get to go home more. And, you know, I got mm -hmm. some uh, some good friends in Texas. and. Uh, my family's all still back in California. So, I mean, I think it's going to be a little bit less of a grind in terms of, you know, going without seeing people or, you know, keeping in touch and stuff like that. So I'm excited to uh, to get back on the West Coast. Coming up in the Tampa organization, if you could say they left like one imprint on you, what was it? Um, I think just playing like a winning brand of baseball, you know, not so much focusing on um, individual stats or, or things like that, but more so focusing on um, how do you win games? And not only that, but how do you win games late in the season? How do you win uh, playoff games? You know, our, our minor league teams coming up, we're always, you know, in the playoffs, uh, playing in the championships and stuff like that. And so that's kind of, um, that's kind of the experience, even though it is the minor leagues, those are still, those are still big games. It's still, uh, you want to win, you know, you don't want to go home. So um, kind of just learning to to play in, in those types of games. And I think, uh, you know, I'm a better player for it. What do you miss about the trop? <laughs> uh, I mean, maybe just the fact that it was 73 every day and uh, you knew what you were going to get. You know, you show up and it's it's consistent. It's the same thing every day. It's 73. There's no sun. 
and uh, you just kind of go play. And there's fish in the outfield. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The stingrays out there. <laughs> and your time in Cleveland, what do you take from that? Um, I think I grew a lot as a person over here in the last three years. I mean, I, I went through some, a lot of failure, honestly, um, a lot of beating myself up, a lot of putting too much pressure on myself, uh, a lot of not enjoying life outside of baseball because of baseball. And so I think um, I really grew up in terms of being able to separate the two and, and kind of at least if anything is going to be consistent, let it be, you know, the way you treat people, your attitude, um, you know, things like that. Um, just not baseball related. I think that's really where I grew the most. Well, that's fantastic. So you have an opportunity now to show that with a team that's going through a lot of those things right now. There are a lot of young players and it's not easy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it isn't easy. And, um, but I think sometimes the younger you are and the younger your clubhouse is, there's almost a sense of like, Hey, if we figure this out, like, you know, we can be really good. And so, um, there's a certain like hunger that comes with that. And, uh, you know, I'm excited to, uh, to see where it goes. And what do you remember about your big league debut? I remember a lot of it. I remember it was against uh, the Seattle Mariners. And he hit the ball very hard. Very hard. Very hard. Yeah. Um, I think I started 0 for 8 in the first two games with a lot of balls that probably should have been hits or were very close to being hits. And uh, going back to the hotel after that second night, I just remember going to bed thinking, man, I might I might never get a hit. Like these are these are my best bullets. Like these these are what I got. And um, they're not getting through. And then, you know, after that, I kind of. um you know, I got my first hit and, you know, kind of the weight of the world fell off my shoulders. And then uh, I got rolling there for a little bit. That first hit was against Felix, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I think maybe I was just saving it to uh, to get a nice hit <laughs> off, the, off the future Hall of Famer. I kind of took a look at it quickly to see who it was, but I didn't see the at bat. What would you do and how'd that go? Yeah, so, I mean, I was 0 for 8 and um, I show up the next day and I'm hitting second. And I'm like, gosh, what is this guy thinking? You know, is he crazy? And then uh, walked up there for my first at bat and um, just pretty anxious, decided I'm, I'm swinging at the first pitch. I don't care what it is. And uh, got a good fastball in the zone and, and split the right center gap for a double. Perfect. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Hey, last question for you. The perfect day in the life of Jake Bowers away from baseball. I don't know, maybe wake up, roll out of bed, like 7.30, 8, not too late, not too early, drink two or three cups of coffee, maybe listen to a podcast in the morning, um, get a little sweat in, a little workout, maybe a little cage work, grab a nice lunch, hit the beach, maybe go see my parents for dinner. I mean, there's so much, there's so much good in, uh, in everyday life that I don't think people appreciate enough. And so, you know, over the past few years, I'm kind of just realizing that you got to enjoy, you know, the little things. And uh, when you're in those moments, you don't always realize it. And then, you know, maybe years go by and you wish you had it like that. So I really, whatever it is, I just try to be present. I try to focus on whatever I'm doing and uh, I try to enjoy it. Well, that sounds fantastic. Jake, look forward to seeing you next week in Seattle. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks, Shannon. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazon's 
of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. 